This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Freedom from all limitations to accomplish all divine assignments. This is what God is doing all over the world and especially in this nation. I want to remind you, in this season, God wants you to arise above all challenges because this is the time you bring down the head of Goliath. This is the time the killing of the bears and the lions will begin to take place. You will see all the opposing powers of the enemy crumbled and yield to you like never before. The enemy's time is over. He's exposed. And once the enemy is exposed, the enemy is then evicted. And you take back all that the enemy has stolen from you. And when the enemy is caught, when the thief is caught, he has to restore, return manifold, sevenfold, thirtyfold, sixtyfold, hundredfold back to you with the interest and with the bonuses. It all comes back. When the Lord led Israel out of Egypt after decades of slavery, they did not leave empty-handed all of Egypt's gold and silver, the necklaces, the rings, everything that the devil had, they had to give it to them and they left with hundreds of years of salaries, bonuses, increments and everything. They had more than they could carry. Hallelujah. This is your time. Come on, give the Lord a hand. I said, this is your time. This is a time to take back from the enemy everything he stole from you. Praise the Lord. Well, it's a joy witnessing this morning what's happened. But I just want to go to the next step of removing all the limitations. God has given us the ability to remove every limitation, every hindrance, every fear, every lie, every restriction, every confinement that has been put upon you and this nation as a whole. This is a time everything begins to crumble because the, uh, uh, the enemy has been exposed and no amount of how thick the darkness may be over the land, it can never overcome one single light. What God has done, I thank God for the family that God used to birth this thing. And it will continue to multiply till it takes the land. This family, Pastor Tom's and his family, for the work they put in and all that they have done, and it's joy to see what he's doing through them and then through you as well. This is apostolic. This is how Paul describes it. And this is how we'll describe all those with apostolic prophetic calling. And especially this family that you have here, the father in the house. Paul said, he invaded my life. And he arrested me and took me as a captive. It's good to be a divine captive. And he translated me from the kingdom of darkness into the glorious kingdom of, his, of light of his son. And now he uses me 
And when a man says he uses me, that me also includes his wife. He doesn't call you alone. God is a God of generations. In our smallness, we are thinking of one generation. But God says, I'm thinking of all that are coming after you. That's why he's known as the God of generations. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob stood under the same tent and they worshiped God waiting for all the words God has spoken over their lives to come to pass. What was not fulfilled in Abraham was then fulfilled in Isaac. What was not fulfilled in Isaac was fulfilled in Jacob. And when those three stood together, together, there's a coming together. You will come together, a gathering together, a togetherness, a oneness. You will gather together. It's not just a gathering, it's a togetherness. That moves the heavens. And as the three stood under the same tents and worshipped God, then Israel came into being. It was no more an individual. It was no more just a family. But it became the nation. And this is the season God is focusing to reclaim, take back the land that is flowing with milk and honey. Yes, there are giants, but this is the time they come down. Yes, there are bears, this is the time they, are come, they come down. This is the time they are there, the opposition, but you will dismantle it. Because of the anointing that's upon you. So he says they invaded God invaded our lives. So when he called Abraham, he called Sarah, father of nations, mother of nations. And everything God does, he begins with the womb of a woman. He's called the father of nations. He's mother of nations. Father of faith, mother of faith. Jesus is called the seed of the woman. The togetherness. He calls the family. Then he uses this vehicle that he invaded. God invaded this vehicle. And now Paul's life becomes a vehicle of invasion. God through him begins to invade other lives. So the Lord uses you. This is a description of an apostle. God invaded his life. And now God uses that same life to invade other lives. You are an invader. Taking territory that belongs to you by firstborn, by being children of the possessors of the heavens and the earth. So this is a season I just want to remind you that all the limitations that you have, been know, you have known and heard about, all the shouting and intimidation of Goliath over this land is over. Fear is an illusion. Fear is a spirit. But God has not given us a spirit of fear. But a power and of love, agape, agape love, self-sacrificing love. This love is centered not upon self, but centered upon others. That's the difference. For a man who loves his wife, loves himself. This love that God is speaking about is not found on planet earth. That's why it has to come from beyond. The greatest emotion on planet earth is hatred, which rules the world. So there is no divine love. So this love had to become embodied in human flesh. 
and through a womb of a woman to live among us. So this agape, self-sacrificing, self-defacing, this love that is centered around others and not self, this love that is self-sacrificing for others, that love became flesh and it dwelt among us. And when we invite him into our lives, he comes in and we know what it is to have a deposit of the divine in our spirit. Become alive from the kingdom of darkness, translated into the glorious kingdom of the light of his son, Christ Jesus. So today I am a vehicle of invasion. I have family that God put here to birth this world, to nourish it and flourish it. They may be pastor to you but they are apostles to this nation and beyond. If we just call them pastor, they only fulfill the role of pastor. If you call them prophet, then you receive the prophet's reward. But when you call him apostle, the thumb, this thumb can control all. All the gifting is in the apostle for the foundations of the kingdom of God is the prophets, all who wrote the Old Testament and the apostles wrote all the New Testaments. That's the foundation, God's written word. Jesus is God's word in the flesh and God's spoken word. And Jesus becomes the governor when apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher come together, work together, then Jesus becomes governor and the kingdom, the government of Christ is established. That's why the devil keeps attacking the church. That's why he attacks the family of God because that moment, the time when all five come together under the apostle and prophet, Jesus then finds his throne of government. For the increase of his government shall be no end. So keep that in mind. Because today the biggest hindrance to reaching the gospel to all over the world is not the world, it's not even the devil, it's the church itself. And in the church, the biggest culprits are the pastors. If you don't change, God will remove you. It's going to become a great division in the church. A church that is persecuted. A church that is, the Lord said, you think you are weak, but you are strong. You think you are naked, but you are dressed. You think you are weak, but you are strong. You are beautiful. You, are, you think you are dead, but you are alive. But then he looks to the so-called rich and powerful, self-sufficient, self-decorating, self-promoting, self-preserving church and it says you think you are strong but you're weak. You think you're alive but you are dead. You think you're beautiful but you're ugly. You think you're clothed but you are naked. He said I will spew you out of my mouth because you're not whole cold and you're not hot. And in the last days Paul says there will be a great fall away from the church. But then also, there'll be another revival like it never happened before in the world where the outside, the so-called visible concrete church outside, God will begin to do signs and wonders and multitudes and multitudes that cannot be numbered shall be brought into the kingdom. Hallelujah. You are a privileged generation. So we pray for that oneness in the church. Satan puts limitations and hindrances on the church. How can we remove these limitations? Now, I just met with Gordon Hickson. You, might, you know Gordon, he told me to send you the greetings. I was with him just before I left. And uh, not only he, 
I just heard that from him last week. After I preached his message, this brother comes to visit me because of what he's doing globally. He was from here, Gordon Nixon, his parents, etc. And he was relating to me. I said, brother, I just preached a message last week. And he was talking about this experience that his own wife had. And I've heard this from individuals who've experienced it themselves. From another friend on his way to Paris. From another friend on his way to New York. And then from Brother Dixon's wife, Rachel. All three different stories at different times. They are flying in the plane. And they're sitting there. It's a long flight. Like the flight that I took from Malaysia to come here. It took me 23 hours. And so beside her, three, three seats. She's sitting here. The middle seat was vacant. And then he was sitting in the corner seat. And so every now and then, you know, they serve you drinks. They serve you meals, etc. And she realized this is the same story I've heard three times already in a few years. And looked at that man and she said, uh, uh, you are not eating. You are fasting. Yes, I'm fasting. And I see you're praying nonstop from the time we took off. He said, yes, I'm praying. Well-dressed, rich. And so she said, huh, oh, so you must be a Christian. And that guy blew up. He said, what do you mean I'm a Christian? I'm not a stupid Christian. I am a witch. He said, and we pray. He said, do you think only you Christians pray? Do you think only you Christians fast? No. He said, you don't know what you are doing. We know what we are doing. And then he got up and he said, you know who we are praying against? Do you know who all the witches, the Illuminati, the Masons, and all the false religions on planet Earth? You can name them all. What is their greatest fear? And what are they cursing? And what are they praying against? He said, you don't believe? He stood up. He, op he opened the top. He took down his briefcase. And he threw open his book. And there was a whole map of London. And he had listed all the major churches in London. Not only that. Beside the church were the names of the pastor, the pastor's wife, and the pastor's children. And he said, we fast and we pray so that the devil whom we worship and all the demonic powers will be focused on one thing. To divide the church. To attack the pastor, pray against his marriage, attack his wife, attack his children. And he said, we are successful. There are more witches and wizards in Paris than there are born-again Christians. There are more witches covens in Paris than there are churches. He said, you all are losing. We are taking over. We have taken over. While the church is playing, let's go, huh? merry-go-round. Ring a ring a rosy, pocket full of posy. While you're having your parties and your picnics and inside, become like entertainment centers, like nightclubs, that even when a non-believer walks into the church, he's wondering whether he came into a nightclub or a church. Whereas more, the display of the flesh, self-promotion, self-decoration, it's not Christ. Yes, it says, he's on the outside of the church. Revelation 3, 20. Behold, I stand at the door on the outside and I'm knocking to come inside. The activities are going on in his name, but he's got nothing to do here. That's the churches in the world 
who have been super abundantly blessed. They took the focus of the blesser and they are focusing on the blessings. Instead of worshipping the creator, they began to worship the creature and creation. He said, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone will hear my voice, if anyone will hear my voice, will hear the knock. If you will open the door, I will come in with you. I will sit with you. I will sup with you and your joy shall be full. You can go on in your commotions and emotion in the so-called churches, but there is no joy. You sing about it, but you don't know what you're singing about. Where are the signs, wonders, and miracles? Where are the lives being transformed? Until you have pastors who are gay, bishops who are gay, who can't tell the difference between a male and a female, who can't tell the difference between what is right and wrong. God made them male and female, and they have brought it all into confusion. They don't even know their identity. The word male means the piercer. The word female, the one that is pierced. The male, that's why he called it in the beginning. He called them male and he called her female. You are the piercer and you are the one that is pierced. You are the man. Stand straight, walk straight, live straight. She is the womb man. She's also a man, but she has the womb. So she's called a womb man. How can when you don't have a womb, you call yourself a male? How can when you don't have a piercer, you call yourself a female, a male, female, or whatever it is? God did not create such. They chose to become such. We love them. Hallelujah. Confusion, chaos has come. The church needs to arise and begin to shine and begin to speak to make the crooked paths straight. Hallelujah. The Bible says that you must know the devices of the devil. You must know the devices of your enemy. So what is he doing? The devil out there is fasting, praying against the churches. All the isms. You can talk about Hinduism, Buddhism, Mohammedanism, etc. All of them have only one goal, and that is to destroy the church. So the first goal here, what the devil does is, and what the man also revealed, what is the agenda the enemy has? What is the device the devil is using to divert, to destroy, to distract us from our focus? Winston Churchill said this once. I've got a goal. I've got a destiny. I'm not going to be distracted by barking dogs. Let the dogs bark because they are doing what they are called for, to bark. But I'm not going to be distracted I have a destiny. I have a calling. And I will fulfill it. So the devil does all kinds of things to distract us, to divide us, to, to bring all kinds of diversion, distraction, demotion, delusion. Hallelujah. Are you here? First thing we, are, we discover is he brings division. They were in the garden. And the devil was there. He was there. He came in, came in because he was allowed to come in. And he brought division between God and the man and the woman. He's a divider. Then he said, oh, they are one. I must separate them. Then he did the second thing. He separated the man from the woman. Instead of loving each other, the man started blaming the woman. He blames her for everything. The wife has become the convenient scapegoat. It's all her fault. Division. And he didn't stop that. He went for the children. 
He turned Cain and Abel against each other. God had a beautiful plan in a place called paradise. But they gave in to the wrong suggestions. Too much of television, too much of handphone, too much of all this fake news, lies, distortion, perversions. Instead of reading the news from heaven, whose report are you listening to? Listening to all the fake reporters, most of whom are, are gays, most of whom are perverts, criminals, liars, thieves, perverts. And you open your ears to them, you become like them. You become what you hear. You become what you see. What are you hearing? What you're seeing? Make a decision this morning. You will begin to hear what God is saying. Turn on to the message from above because God is speaking. Are you hearing? He is a speaking God. He's always speaking through lightning, through thunder, through earthquakes, through disasters, through dreams, through visions, through angels. To all kinds of situations in your life. He's a speaking God. He speaks through nature. He speaks through tragedies. He's speaking so loudly. Why aren't we hearing? Tune your ears. Tune your ears. So that you get the reception from heaven. Not from hell and on earth. You become what you hear. Jesus made it very clear. He called it the ear gate, the eye gate. What you hear, you will soon become. What you see, you will become. Careful this year. Careful these eyes. That's why it's so important to shut ourselves in and listen to his voice again. It is good to become and lay ourselves on the altar of prayer. Altar sacrifice. I place myself on the altar so that God, the great surgeon, can come and perform a spiritual surgery on me and take out all that he did not put in. And put in what he has eternal values. The altar is a place of negotiation. If there's no altar, you cannot negotiate in the spirit world. Be it God, be it angels, be it Satan, be it devils. There must always be an altar. Because the altar is where God alters you. That's why it's called an altar. I remember the preacher telling the couple getting married. Very simple. All you have to remember is, you know, hear the hymn, uh, the scripture, uh, keep, hear the hymn. Uh, he said the carpet, the hymn, and then to the altar. Oh, no, he said like this, aisle, remember the aisle, remember the altar, and remember the hymn. Aisle, altar, and the hymn. So she said, no problem, I'll alter him. She knew at the altar she can alter him. Because this is divine law. These are spiritual laws. We cannot communicate with the spirit world unless there is an altar. And on the altar, which is a place of negotiation, there must always be a sacrifice. The sacrifice is the one that gives you the authority to call and demand. Because you are being blessed. The blesser is above. You are the one that is receiving the blessing. And in between is an altar. And when you place a sacrifice on the altar, then you have the authority to negotiate. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the negotiating power. So when you offer fruits and, and stuff like that, you have little power. But when you offer chickens and ducks and geese and animals, etc., you got more power. When you offer human sacrifice, especially children, because they are innocent, they are perfect, they are pure, they're not corrupted like adults. When you offer them a sacrifice, you make great demand. When you put a virgin on the altar, big demand you can make. Why? She's not been defiled. She's not been corrupted. What is the value of your sacrifice? The greater the value, the greater the demand, the greater the negotiating power. 
blood sacrifice speaks because life is in the blood and the blood speaks. It cries for justice. It cries. And so God who made these laws, the devil did not make these laws. He's a lawless one. God made it. So what can the greatest sacrifice be than the perfect son of the living God? He was not even from the male. He's the seed of the woman. He does not have the blood of the male. All of us born in our mother's womb carry the blood of our fathers. We do not carry the blood of the mother. The mother's blood and the child's blood does not mix. So even if it's a human sacrifice, he's fallen human. His blood is fallen. So God came up with a plan. He said, I will become a man. And I will not be a son of an ordinary man. I'll be the son of God and she'll conceive by the Holy Spirit. So when Mary gave birth, Jesus did not have the blood of any common man. He had divine, sinless, perfect blood. And not the blood of the woman. That's why it's called the seed of the woman. And so when he came and laid himself on the sacrifice, on the altar, oh, Satan trembled because there was no sin in his blood. That's why in his name, you come in his name. Not the blood of bulls and goats, for they cannot take away our sin. But God came with the sinless blood of his son and he gave himself. He, he was not sacrificed by somebody. He sacrificed himself so that when his blood speaks for us. That's why we come to the altar. At the altar, he alters things. Power to negotiate. Don't just simply ask for little things. Ask for the nation. Small people say small prayers. Big people say big prayers. How big is your prayer? This is why we take communion. <laughs> Hallelujah. There was a little diversion. But I know you are blessed. Thank God. Three of you are blessed. Praise the Lord. So the devil is going for your families, for your marriage. First one, Jesus commanded us to unite. John 17, verse 21 to 23. This is his prayer in John 17 in order to face 18, 19, and 20. What was his prayer? That they all may be one as you, Father... And I are, you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe you sent me. The world will not believe the gospel of Jesus Christ until it sees a unity in the church. And when we speak about unity, we're not speaking about one banner, one song, one uniform. No, no, no. Speaking that. That is uniformity. So you can carry all the banners you want. It's not going to help anything. You can sing all the unity songs. It's not going to help. Because that is uniformity. That's man-made. That's an illusion. That's a deception. But they're not willing to die for each other. What did he say? That, that you, that all may be one, referring to the church. You, Father, are in me, I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one, just as we are in them. And you, in me, that they may be made perfect. That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. God's greatest desire, Jesus 
plea to the father was, Oh, Father, this is my prayer that just like you and I are one and I am in you, you are in me. And if they see me, he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. If you have heard me, you have heard the Father. Thomas said, how can we know? Well, we have not seen the Father. What do you mean? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. When the world sees you, who do they see? Do they see Michael Jackson or Mickey Mouse? Do they see the devils from Hollywood? Bollywood? Collywood? All the wood. Who are you? Imitating Paul said, follow, Jesus said, follow me as I, as I follow. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you. Who's making you? Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Who are you following? One look at you, we can tell. The way you walk, the way you dress, the way you talk, the words you use. It comes out of your mouth. We know who have you been associated with. But when they saw the disciples in the book of Acts, they say these men are different. The way they talk, the way they live, the way they pray, the way they demonstrate the power of God. They have been with Jesus. Who have you been with? You have seen me, you have seen the Father. So his number one go prayer of Jesus was unity. The devil's number one target is to divide you. So God, wives guard your husband. Husbands guard your wife. You are supposed to cover each other. You are supposed to protect each other. Husbands cover their wives. It's not something bad. It means they protect them from the wind, from the waves, from the hurricanes and from the storms and from the dust and from the insects and from the attacks of all people. The man covers his wife. He takes it on himself. He covers her. He protects her. Are you protecting your wife? Then you are not a man. Parents cover their children. Parents will cover their children. Oh, Lord, don't let my baby be sick. Let, let me be sick, oh God. Don't kill my baby. I'm willing to die for her. What is that? Covering. So when you go out of that covering, then the enemy attacks you. So man, the reason you're being attacked is you have not honored the covering of your father and mother and you have no idea the covering of your wife. Wives, <laughs> thy husband is thy covering. That's why I say submit to him so that he can cover you. When you don't take the covering of your husband, the enemy goes for you. Whether you believe it or not, it doesn't matter. You'll experience it. The first thing he does, divide the church. The church today is the most divided body in the world. Uh, there are more than 37,000 denominations, not including those gone solo. The Lone Rangers. Oh, that's how the devil, you come to this country, there's animals. Well, when the animal wants to kill another animal, when the lion wants to kill that that horse or whatever it is. He goes for the one that isolates itself. You isolate yourself from family. You isolate yourself from your spouse. You isolate from yourself from the church. You think you're very clever. You are being isolated for crucifixion. You think you can make it? What an illusion. Together. So when one falls, the other lifts you up. Who's going to lift you up when you fall? <laughs> Hallelujah. Love one another. So praying together is so important. When you pray together, the miracle takes place. 
That's why he said, oh, oh, if only, only you can pray together. Jesus said, oh, if only two of you can agree like we agree in the heavens. Whatever you are shall come to pass if you can agree. But to get two Christians to agree is a miracle. <laughs> to get two churches to agree is a bigger miracle. To bring the bishops and the so-called pastors over the city and over the land to come together is the greatest challenge. They don't unify, they divide. <laughs> the sheep, pastor, is not yours. The sheep belongs to him. If you say they belong to you, then you go get yourself crucified, get yourself buried, and you raise from the dead. Then you can claim the sheep are yours. You are his under-shepherd. And a good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. A good shepherd, two kinds of shepherd. One fleeces the sheep, kills them, he doesn't care for them. But there's a good shepherd who gives his life. And the royal family in this place have given their life. Not because of you, because of him. Hallelujah. Go to the next one, please. When we are divided, we cannot achieve common goals. The enemy targets governments, churches, marriages, family. So just God, this is the first place he attacks. It begins in the bedroom. It begins in the bedroom. That's where the battle begins. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mentioned a little bit last night. Let me go a little bit further to Genesis chapter 11 verse 6, very important. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. This is God speaking in Genesis 11, 6. He saw them build the towers. He saw them do all kind of mischief. God said, scatter. They said, gather. God said, go. They said, come. Is your church a going church or is a coming church? Like what your pastor said, his goal is not how many come in, but how many he sends out. He saw them doing this. He said, I cannot allow this. Even in their fallen state, if they have one language, they have one goal, one language of love. And they are united. And when they are having one language, and they have one goal, one purpose... Then he said, nothing is impossible for them because everything they imagine, they can do. Everything they imagine, they can do. Hallelujah. Why? One language, one goal, one purpose. That's the prayer of Jesus. This is also found in Genesis before God scattered the, uh, the nation to the 70 nations. And he said, when they come together, beloved, I appeal to you on behalf of the Father in heaven. I appeal to you on behalf of the family that sacrificed their life for this ministry. I appeal to you, put aside your differences, put aside your smallness, put aside your ignorances and your selfish goals. Put aside self-seeking, self-promoting, put aside all these illusions and deceptions and come under covering one goal, one purpose, and whatever you imagine is possible. Give your imagination to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. There'll be all of this. The Bible says seven things God hates, and one of it is those false witnesses who speak lies. The one that sows discord among the brethren. Watch out for brothers and sisters. No matter who they may be going around causing division, suspicion, questioning everything. The first question mark you see in the Bible is the shape of a serpent. Question mark. 
So don't go around questioning God. Don't go around questioning the authority. Who made you the judge to interrogate all God's people? You are nothing but an accuser, a slanderer, and a divider of the brethren. And the Bible says seven things God hates. He hates those. Remember, the Bible was not written to the world. It was written to the believer. He's speaking to the believer. I hate those who sow discord among the brothers. Brethren means male and female. He says, mark and avoid them. Romans 16, 17, 18. I urge you, interesting, 17 and 18. Now I urge you, brethren, male and female, they're talking. Note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. Avoid them. Avoid them. For those who are, do not serve, they do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. By their smooth words, flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. God hates dividers. War against marriage. I've already mentioned this. Whom God put together, let no one put asunder. And I decree, oh Lord, I decree over all these people that are here right now. Whom you have put together, let no one put asunder. In Jesus' name, whom God put together, together, let no one put asunder. Hallelujah. Decree it over your family. There's a second thing that he goes is for your marriage. Safeguard your family. Have your family altar. What made Abraham, Isaac, Jacob different? They had family altars. Family altars. Job said, I pray for my family every day. And because he did that, the Bible says God put a hedge of divine protection around them so that the devil could not touch them. Are you praying for your family? Are you praying together? Don't deny yourself this privilege. That's where it begins. Satan breaks up families. First commandment, honor your father and your mother for this is a promise. Only command, first commandment with a promise. When you do that, you will live long. All will go well with you. And all of God's creation will work on your benefits. If you honor your father and your mother. The fourth thing that he does, I already mentioned about family. God is a God of generations. The promise is if you will be faithful, if you will be faithful, you and your household shall all be saved. Somebody believe with me. Say amen. If you, one person, will believe and live like you should live, then God gives you a promise in His Word. You and all your family shall be saved. You see it come to pass. Finally, Satan's war against provision. Then to Adam he said, because you heeded the voice of your wife and eaten from this tree which I commanded you, you shall not. Cursed is the ground for your sake. So he's saying, the earth is blessed. The earth in this nation is very blessed. Because you sinned, you have activated the curse. You have released the curse. God did not curse. Man activated the curse. And he said, now there are thorns and there are thistles. Now you will sweat from your brow to earn a living. So the curse came upon man by man himself. Poverty came in because then thorns and thistles came out. And that's what the devil does next, is to bring you into poverty. That's why the pastor here keeps emphasizing blessing, prosperity, abundance. So that when you work, it's no more thorns, thistles and stones. But you will have the fruit of your labor. Can you believe God for that? Four areas he's after. Got these four areas. And you will prosper. All limitations removed. All hindrances removed. Your ability to fulfill all divine assignments beginning in these new beginnings. Rise to your feet. Lift up holy hands. Lift up holy hands. 
come before God. Father, forgive us for where we have contributed to disunity and division. May we become instruments of oneness, instruments of unity. At home, at work, at play, in church, in government. Lord, forgive the way we treated our family members wrongly. For you designed the family. <clears throat> and you said, if I'm faithful, I will see the salvation of all my family. Thank you for family. Thank you for marriage. Thank you for children. When I say this, can you all shout an amen? Amen. Amen is also the name of Jesus. He is the amen of God. So when we say amen, we are saying we agree with Jesus. So let me say again, Lord, we pray for unity in your body. Lord, we pray for oneness in our families. Lord, we pray for oneness in the church. Lord, we pray for prosperity in our sweat and our labor. We command in Jesus' name for the earth yield the silver, the gold, the stones, the precious stones, the wealth, the prosperity, the fruit, the abundance, life from the earth shall come forth for your church, for your church, for your church. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.